Well, we're into week three of our, our God With Us series, which we will wrap up next uh, Sunday over at Silvertip. And our series has really been anchored in, in one verse, and then we've kind of parachuted into other places in the Bible. And that verse has been Matthew 1.23, which is you know, a, a pulling forward of a prophecy from Isaiah as well. And Matthew writes for us, See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, help me out, God is with us. And we've been talking about the presence of God in different seasons of our lives. Because we experience God different in different seasons and, and based on what's going on in uh, life around us as well. In the first week, we talked about God's presence with us in the valleys. And we, we uh, looked at a couple different spots where it says often to get to uh, the city of refuges in an Old Testament um, kind of context there, to get to that place of peace, sometimes you have to travel through the valley of tears to get there. And when the thing we wanted to remember, the big idea from that first week was that when you find yourself in the valley is this, we might enjoy God on the mountaintops, we might enjoy his presence when everything is going well, but we get to know God intimately in the valleys when we have to depend on him. And last week, we, we talked about the wilderness. And we said the wilderness is kind of similar to the valley, but it's typically a longer season. So it's a little bit different as well. It's often a, a lonely season. It's a, it's a barren season. And we looked at the story of Elijah specifically kind of honing in on 1 Kings 19. And we said then that, that God often whispers in the wilderness. If you remember the story of Elijah, he uh, was been being pursued, trying to be killed by the king and queen, ran into the wilderness, found himself in a cave, and, and, and God said, I'm going to show myself to you. And God came by uh, in, in an earthquake, and then in a fire, and then in earth, wind, fire. I missed the middle one. Uh, a windstorm first, then the earth, uh, earth, wind, and fire. There's a joke about a 70s, 80s band in there, right? But I skipped that last week. But then in the last moment, God came in a whisper. And at that moment, Elijah knew, ah, there's God. And he came out, he covered his face and said, God, here I am, kind of thing. And last week we said that our, our deepest needs become a gift when they drive us to depend on God. Sometimes when we have needs in our lives, we, we just look at, at the whole. We look at what's missing, but, but often God uses those needs to drive us to himself, to remind us that we cannot do this life on our own, that we are created to do life with him. Uh, and this week we want to talk about God's presence in the storms. Now there's a saying I came across this week that goes like this. You're either coming out of a storm, in the middle of a storm, or there's a storm around the corner. Good morning, welcome, hope you're having a great day. Just here to encourage you this morning. Uh, but what that is to say is that life can be really hard. Uh, life can, can seem like you're just, you're just getting through a hard time or you're in the middle of one or there's something difficult and painful right around the corner. And I suspect that many, if not most of us, can kind of identify with that. Right? Life is hard sometimes. And sometimes it seems like you just get out of a hard season and then you, you step in it right again. So the question then becomes, where is God in the middle of the storm? 
you and I might find ourselves right now in, in the middle of a storm or, or, or staring one down. Maybe it's a, a relational storm. Sometimes this Christmas season really sort of uh, accentuates and, and puts pressure on, on relational uh, struggles or problems. It, we might be staring at a family storm. There's just things in our families that are just, they're really hard and, and we're, we're supposed to be happy and gather with our family around the fireplace and roasting chestnuts and whatever we do at Christmas. And it's like, I just don't want to be with those people because of these tensions. We might be in the middle of a financial storm. We might be in the pick your storm, right? So what do we do, not if the storms come, but what do we do when the storms come? And unfortunately, a lot of people, the first thing they do when they notice or recognize or <laughs> realize that they're in a storm, the first thing they do, unfortunately, is blame God. Clearly, God's left me alone. Clearly, God has abandoned me. Why is God allowing me to go this? If, if God is good, how can this be happening? I don't understand where God is in this thing. And so the big idea for today is, if the one, this is the one thing, if you get nothing else, this is what I want you to take home. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. The text we're going to head to this morning is Acts 27. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. Uh, you might be familiar with this part of the book of Acts. The, the book of Acts is kind of the, the, the story of the launching of the church after Jesus had come and, and, and lived and taught and died on the cross and risen again. And then this, this part is where he sort of sends out his disciples to, to build the church. And that's kind of where we are in this, this book. But this chapter specifically is, is kind of highlighting Paul and his journey to Rome. In this chapter, we find Paul with a crew on a boat in the middle of a massive storm. Uh, we read that this storm went on for days. Uh, we, we recognize that, uh, we read that the, the crew was terrified. These were, these were seasoned sailors and they were terrified. So they started to, to dump cargo overboard. This was the reason they were sailing was to transport things. And, and if you, you threw it overboard, what, what's the point, right? So they were convinced that they were going to die in this storm. So let me pick it up in verse 20, Acts 20, uh, 27, verse 20. We read there that for many days, neither the sun nor the stars appeared. And the severe storm kept raging. Uh, anyone ever felt like you're in one of those storms? Where for days and days, it just doesn't seem to let up? Finally, all hope was fading that we would be saved. Again, these are, these are serious words. And sometimes reading the stories or the narrative parts of the Bibles, I think we can just sort of gloss over what they're saying. But the crew was giving up. They didn't see a way out. And so they just started to surrender themselves to their seemingly obvious fate. Hope was fading that they would be saved. Now there are people all around us in a room this size. There's some of us here this morning who can exactly identify with that verse. My hope is fading. I don't see a way out. I don't know how I'll ever climb out of this. I don't know how I'll ever fix this relationship. I don't know how we'll ever deal with this health challenge. I don't know how we'll ever get through this financial storm. People have given up hope. 
The storm kept raging. We read in verse 21, Since they'd been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice and and not set sail from Crete to sustain this damage or loss. I like Paul. I don't know how well this comment would have been received in that moment. One of the things that I found is when I encounter someone in the middle of the storm, it's not usually the best to say, I told you so. But here's Paul. But his point still stands, right? He did say, guys, we know what time of year it is. The, the weather's only going to get worse. The seas only get worse. We got to find somewhere to hunker down for the winter until, until the next better sailing season comes. Have you ever noticed uh, sometimes in Christian circles, if you've been around the church, uh, sometimes it's really easy to see Christians, anytime they're in a storm, they blame the devil right away. Ah, oh, the devil made me do it. I, I, I'm just being persecuted. I'm just being and, 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 and. The thing is, sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's my fault. Not always. But sometimes, sometimes we're in a financial storm because we've made bad decisions with our money. Right? Sometimes we're in a storm because we've overextended ourselves and we're, we're, we're burning out or we're running out of time because all the things are going on. Sometimes you're in a storm because in the heat of the moment, you let your emotions get the better of you and you said things that you should never have said to anyone. Sometimes you're in a storm because you've procrastinated and procrastinated and now the clock is just ticking those final seconds before the deadline. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's my fault. And maybe that's, that's partly why the crew is giving up here, maybe. Because they knew this was your fault. Or it was their fault, excuse me. And I would say that, that as I considered my past and, and my years to this point, I have an easier time believing that God's going to get me out of a storm when I know that he led me into it. Right? When, when I say, okay, God is, is leading me or leading my family or leading our church in this direction. If he's put us here, I can trust he's going to get me out. But when it's my own dumb choices that get me into a mess, sometimes it's like, I don't know. what I, like, I think he can, but why? Because this is the consequences of my own actions, right? Now, at the same time, in this boat, there were probably some people who were there, and it wasn't their fault. Maybe they'd listened to Paul's warning, and they're like, yeah, you know what? It's like, it's going to get dicey. The seas are going to get bad. It's storm season. This, is, this isn't good. And, and for whatever reason, they were overruled by the hierarchy of the ship, and the captain said, no, we're going. And so they're there because it's not their fault, right? And sometimes we find ourselves in messes as well that are not our fault. Maybe as a kid, your parents separated and divorced, and that's left you with, with issues and, and, and trauma, and, and that storm wasn't your fault. Maybe your company uh, made some, some bets and they didn't turn out well or made some bad decisions and now had to downsize or the economy shifted and they had to downsize and you've lost your job and it's, it's not your fault. Maybe you, you trusted someone. They gave you their word. You gave them your heart and they didn't come through. Or worse, 
they used your trust against you and used or even abused you, and now you're in a storm that's not your fault. Whatever the case may be, in the middle of the storm, it's just so easy to give up. That, that verse, the, the storm continued to rage and hope is fading, is one that we can probably identify with. But, again, what's, what's our big idea this morning? Do you remember what I said it was? Never let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And I know, I know, I know, it's really easy to type that up and put it on the screen. It's really easy to say it from the front. It's a lot harder in the moment to be like, no, I'm, I'm going to cling to this. And that's why we need each other so that we can show up on a Sunday morning and just say, how's it going? Good. How's it going? Good. I'm fine. You're fine. We're all fine. I know that some of you are lying when you say that. I know that I'm lying sometimes when I say that, right? But this is the place where we should be able to come and say, you know what? Man, it's stormy. I don't see a way out. And I need you. I need somebody to just shore up the ship, carry me through. Look what Paul says as he continues in, in verse 22. He says, You should have followed my advice and, and, and not set sail. He says, Now I urge you to take courage, because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only the ship. For last night, an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me. Whew. I don't know how many times I've read the book of Acts, it's, it's, it's a handful. But I think I've probably glossed over this verse really quick, every time. Sometimes, again, maybe it's just me, but I read that and I was like, of course, it's Paul. Paul's going to see angels. This is, this is just something from here. This is 2,000 years ago. An angel of the Lord, the God that I belong to, the God that I serve, appeared to me, comforted me, take courage. As I kind of sat in that verse and, and prepped again this week and the last couple of weeks, I was reminded again that what we can see is not all that there is. Maybe especially true in the storms. What we can see is not all that we is. What, the things that we can see with our physical eyes isn't everything that exists. We, we live in a physical world, things that we can taste and touch and feel and see and hear and all those, those senses, but there exists alongside that physical world a, a, a spiritual realm that goes well beyond what we have the ability to see. And there's a spiritual battle going on all the time. Uh, Paul, before this scene, uh, had written to another church uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The, our, our biggest challenge isn't the physical realm but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against the evil spiritual forces in the heavens. He says there's a spiritual war that we're a part of. And so he pulls that right in onto the ship here and says, ah, we see the clouds, we don't see the stars, but an angel appeared to me. And it's not just Paul that's engaged in this war 2,000 years ago. It's not just the early church, or it's not just that church that he wrote that to in Ephesus. It's not just the super-Christians. It's not just the pastors. It's not just the missionaries. It's all of us that are engaged in this war. So picture whatever storm, pick one, whatever storm you have been in, you are in, or might be around the corner, and then 
picture the presence of God with you in that moment. Now how does the storm look? I'm so guilty of being forgetful in those moments and when the storm hits, the blinders come on and the blinder on the top comes on too and I'm just kind of fixated on the moment in front of me. But when I remember and when I call out to him and when I cling to his strength like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, my entire posture changes. The series is about God with us. He is with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, his spirit dwells within you. Our, our God goes before us. He's not bound by time, so he's already in our tomorrow. He hears our prayers. He comforts us in our hurts. He directs us when we feel lost. I don't think we have any idea all the ways that God is with us in the presence of the storm. Paul said, an angel stood beside me in the middle of this storm. So never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. There's a couple other places in the Bible where we find similar truth, the same truth. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. He says, At my first offense, no one stood by me. Everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word to all the Gentiles and they might hear it. I was rescued from the lion's mouth. I don't know who else needs to hear this this morning, but no matter what you're going through right now, the Lord hasn't left you. He's at your side. He's giving you strength. Back in the Psalms, David in Psalm 16, 16 verse 8 says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. How much does our posture change when we're looking at the storm or looking at the storms, plural, knowing that God is with us? A couple of weeks ago, Ron taught and pointed us as well to, to Jesus who was sleeping in the back of a boat as they were, uh, he was with the disciples cruising across the lake and they hit a fierce storm. And again, these seasoned fishermen were scared for their lives and they woke him up and said, Jesus, we're going to die. Don't you care? Remember what Jesus did? He stood up and he spoke a word to the weather. And the storm stopped. Peace, be still, Jesus said. And there was peace. One writer says this, Real peace isn't found in the absence of a storm, but peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Peace isn't found in a, in a trouble-free life. On this side of heaven, there's no such thing as a trouble-free life. Following Jesus doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. That's, that's bad theology. That's not reading your Bible. Jesus told his disciples, and it's in the Bible, so he's told us in John 16, 33, I've told you all these things. I've told you what's going to happen so that you may have peace because in this world you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble, not you might take a wrong turn and stumble into trouble. Not you might accidentally drift into some trouble. Jesus said you will have trouble. But he doesn't leave it there, does he? No, no. Jesus says, but take heart. Have courage, brothers and sisters, for I have overcome the world. Back in Acts, look at verse 23, 24. Again, Paul says, For last night an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. It's necessary for you to appear before Caesar, and indeed 
God has graciously given you uh, all those who are sailing with you. In other words, the angel said to Paul, Paul, you're not done. I'm not finished with you yet. There's more for you to do. I bet some of us need to hear that this morning. This storm won't take you out. God is with you. He's not finished with you yet. I I don't know where I first heard this, but I've heard it. I've used it a few times. If you're not dead, you're not done. A little bit crass, but it's a bit of an alliteration. It's It's a sticky statement, right? You'll remember that one. God's got more people for you to love. God's got more opportunities for you to serve. God's got more time that he's called you to be a blessing to others. He's not done. In fact, there might be a purpose to the storm. God may use your storm to encourage and and, and prepare others for their storms as well. Because again, the the church should be and can be just a a treasure trove of encouragement. I know the... the, the, uh, the natural tendency for us when you hear uh, me say, I want to hear your stories of how God's been good, uh, is to say, okay, what good has happened this year that I can kind of low-key maybe brag about? Point to God, of course. but And that's fine. Like I, we, That's fine. There's lots of those stories. But you know what's even... Uh, that's the wrong word. But you know what else we need to be doing as a church? Is sharing, you know what, there... There was a season I wasn't sure I was getting out. There was, there was a storm that hit so big, I didn't have an answer. Maybe I still don't have an answer. But God said, Jesus said, in this world I will have troubles, and I am having troubles, but take heart because he's overcome the world. I know that even within our local church, I've been so encouraged by the stories of others. There was a... a I can't remember when it was, Verna, a hymn sing a, a couple months ago that I went to and, and uh, Jade and I went to. And it was just beautiful to me to hear um, some of our more experienced members of our church and other churches in the Bow Valley sing songs like, Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. God, God you are good. Uh, re- repeated. In these hymns we heard, God, you are good, you are faithful, you are good, you are faithful. And I know some of the stories, and you know some of the stories. They were not saying, life has been just smooth sailing since I came to Jesus. If we even expand that beyond this room, like this, this is, there's, there's some good stories in this room. There's some great encouragement to chase after Jesus in this room. But if we expand that even more to other followers of Jesus in, in the body of Christ elsewhere in the Bow Valley and even around the world, there are so many people who have experienced what you're going through and can help you process it and more importantly can point you to Jesus in the midst of the storm. It's really just one more reason why I need to hear from you for that service on the 31st. It's because you have no idea how your story, looking back at this year, will encourage someone else. Verse 25, Paul says, So take courage, men, because I believe, God, that it will be just the way it was told me. Now that's a perspective staring down a storm that has lasted days and days. They haven't seen the sun. They haven't seen the stars. They're fearing for their lives. They're throwing stuff over. And Paul says, Now take heart. Keep your courage. Have faith. 
The psalmist writes in Psalm 46, 1 to 3, God is our refuge and our strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, even though the earth trembles and the mountains topple in the depths of the seas. Even though I haven't seen the sun or stars for, for days and days, I will trust in the one who is my refuge and my strength. Though the earth's waters roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. Selah. God is by our side. He is with us. He is always found in times of trouble. And even when the world seems to be shaking around us, when the seas roar and the mountains tumble, we do not need to be afraid. Think of all the reasons that Scripture tells us not to be afraid. Because he's with me. Because he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Because he's what I need. He is my safety. He is my strength. He is my comforter. He is my source. He is my redeemer. He is my righteousness. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is the rock. He is the living bread, the bread of life. He is the living water that satisfies the thirsts of our souls. He's the gate that we enter into. He's the guide that directs our step. He's the comforter that ministers to us in times of need. He is our peace. And peace isn't found in the absence of the storm, but peace is found in the presence of Jesus, and he is with me. Look, the virgin will be with child, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's why you never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And again, I know it's super easy to say and type out and put on a screen and a lot harder to live out at times, but that's why we're here when those doubts of the presence of God creep in, pick anyone in the room and say, hey, Sean said this, I'm not sure I'm there. Help, pray with me. Carry me through, like, can we walk together with this? Have you walked through this yourself? True peace isn't found in the absence of storms or trouble. That's all part of life. But true peace is found in the presence of Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. Let me pray, and then I'll invite the team to come lead us in our closing songs. Jesus, thank you that you are always with us. Thank you that uh, when you looked upon our situation you did everything needed to draw us back into you. We, we have, we've all rebelled. We've all gone our own way. We have all sinned and decided we know better than you, but you didn't leave us with the consequences of our sin and rebellion. Instead, Jesus, you took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. You came uh, born as a humble baby. You, you walked this earth as we do. You, 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 you grew up you showed us what it means to be in a perfect relationship with God and with one another and with creation itself. And then even though you were completely pure, completely holy, completely righteous, you went to the cross and died for the consequences of my sin and then of our sin. So that when we turn to you and say, Jesus, I cannot get out of this storm. I, I, I cannot run my own life. I cannot do this. Would you lead me? You say yes. 
and you welcome us into the family. And that, that, that chasm that separated us from God is, is covered and, and, and bridged by your life for us. And you're with us in the storm, through the storm. We're so grateful for that. And we pray all these things in Jesus' good name. Amen. Uh, as Vern comes, we were going to do communion this morning, but we'll push that to that uh, New Year's Eve service. So we'll... Closing songs. We're going to move communion to next service. sing a few carols. Uh, thank you, Sean. Thinking about songs that uh, all of our worship leaders have led this one over the years. And, um, and it, it, uh, it's not one we're going to sing, but I'm just going to read the words to it. Everlasting God. The writer, Chris Tomlin, says, Strength will rise when? When we wait upon the Lord. Not when we muscle it and try to make it happen on our own. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We could actually sing that. We could sing that, couldn't we? <clears throat> and then we're going to sing just a, a carol medley here. How are we doing for time? We got time? <laughs> Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the We will wait upon the Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong On wings as eagles, 
strength will rise as we wait upon the we will wait upon the we will wait upon the lord it seemed like we needed to sing something like that to just reinforce what pastor sean has shared with us we're going to sing this medley of carols you know god is with us emmanuel joy to the world i love the, the way this writer says joy to the world the lord is not did come not will come although he will come again joy to the world the lord is come he is here with us now by his spirit he said i won't leave you without a comforter i will ascend to the father and i will send the comforter and he's here as we uh, invite him into our hearts have a ha, stand as we sing joy to the world and then we're going to flow into um, first noel and arnie led these songs last week so they should be right close familiar so i'm going to see if we can get this without dropping music here Joy to the world, the first Noel, hark the herald angels sing, and um, O little town of Bethlehem, then we're going to come back to joy to the world. We're just doing one verse of each, so don't panic here. Okay. <laughs> Oh, little town, 
for us and could I just put in a little um, paid political announcement so if you if you love to you sing in the new year uh, we're gonna do a choir these people just uh, happened here this morning and I heard that there's some others that felt left out so if you want <laughs> if you want to be part of the choir maybe sometime in the new year listen for an announcement and Pastor Sean the benediction yeah let me just wrap up our time together with the benediction John 1 14 I've mentioned it a couple times already this morning but we'll wrap up with it so the word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, uh, normally, this is where I say, God bless you, we'll see you next week. However, uh, you can maybe have a quick seat. Um, you may have noticed on the way in, there's a couple extra balloons, there's a couple extra tables. We are actually celebrating a bit of a birthday this morning. Adam, I'm going to ask you to stand up. I don't know if you want to stand up. You can, you can stay there, though. So we're celebrating a 90th birthday. And so I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to put him on the spot, but I suspect, I suspect in 90 years, you've seen God be good more than once or twice in your life. So if you need some encouragement at some point, maybe not this morning, but someday, ask Adam about that. There's some cake at the back we'll cut. I'm not going to find a key to start us in happy birthday. We're, we're going to sing happy That's birthday for sure. to Adam. Adam, could you stand up so we can see you? Yeah. And uh, 